Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard to today's Sunday special for Human Events Daily. Now, this is an interview between myself and Dr. James Lindsay, but it's broken up into two parts. Let me explain why. We pre-recorded this down at Turning Point Student Action Summit at SAS in Tampa, which is just a few weeks ago. But then something happened after that, because at that point, Dr. James Lindsay was on double secret probation. He had been locked out and temporarily banned from Twitter. And for the main course of the interview, that's what we're talking about. It was over this OK groomer situation. But then he went, and even after we finished the interview, he got permanently banned from Twitter. So I said, what are we going to do? Producers came, they said, here's what we do. We'll go and bring him back for a little coda, just a couple of minutes explaining where we are, explaining why this has happened, where you can go follow him now that he has been permanently banned from Twitter. So you got part one, part two, that's what's going on. So strap in and enjoy this Human Events Sunday special between myself, Dr. James Lindsay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard. Special edition Human Events Daily. I am joined, unfortunately, I have to apologize to the audience. Tried to get some good guests at Turning Point SAS, and, and the only one that we scrape in the bottom of the barrel, we got Dr. James Lindsay is with us. So I'm sorry, apologize to everybody out there, but if you can sit through this, grin and bear it, we'll get through it together. Dr. James Lindsay, you know, I, I mean, I appreciate you coming by, obviously, you know. I mean, I work for free. I know why you invited me. Well, it was a contractual obligation, so right. I understand. No, That's but, true. But no, so so you got banned from Twitter, what, yesterday, right? Yesterday. Yesterday, because, and, and, and what did you say on Twitter that was so egregious that they had to take you down? Okay, groomer. Okay, groomer. Okay, groomer. And what did you say in response to? So a Media Matters reporter who mm. may or may not belong to what they call a protected class. Okay. And I say may or may not because I can't be bothered to care. And so I don't actually know. I forgot this person's name, as a matter of fact, Ari or something like that. Anyway, um, what had happened was Media Matters did a kind of like sting piece on the OK Groomer phenomenon. Yes. They included me, gratefully, because I started it, so I should probably be in it. As far as I know, I started it. And so they, they, they put me in it, and they said that I'm this terrible monster and all of these things. And Which I you are, it, of course, obviously. Right, and I thought it looked really good for me, you know? Yeah, right. My monster credentials were rising. I actually, like, no, what do they say now? No cap, right? No cap. No cap. No cap. I like Media Matters now, right? And here's why. Because it's like, I get to watch this, and it's like, oh, like, what, what, it's like a greatest hits reel of everything that's going on. <laughs> and if you just kind of like, you put the editorial on the side and you say, okay, Charlie was talking about what today? All right, you know, uh, James Lindsay said, oh, yeah, calls me a groomer, got it. You know, this is the, you know, and it's, I, I think it's great. <laughs> Have you seen their groomer's greatest hit video? They put, it was their pinned tweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Groomer, yeah. Groomer, 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 groomer. Yeah, everybody's yeah. saying groomer. Yeah, Paul's of Boston, groomer. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, they put out this article. Uh, response articles came out, and this uh, person that works for Media Matters tweeted the article with some snarky comment or mm, whatever. And I course. said, "Okay, groomer." Right. And that was it. it. So, so, I, and I'm gonna, you know, go beyond the, you know, the obvious, right? You know, is a groomer a sexual identity? Right, right. No. Here's here, here's what I want to get into because something that you understand, something that I'm fascinated with is this idea of linguistic warfare. Yeah. And when the right or the center, the nor whatever you want to call it, right? The non-wokes, right? Yeah. Found the this word groomer 
and really started kind of like revving that up. The left lost their minds. Yep. These people went completely insane. Yep. It started gaining traction. Streisand effect kicks in. Everybody starts saying it. Why is it that this word specifically has so much power against them and why are they so terrified of it? The simple answer is because it's true. Memes stick when they are true. If it wasn't true, then it wouldn't have stuck. And so it sticks, it does damage. Nobody wants to be called a groomer because there is the there there are two associations. I mean, we don't have to get into it. It's obvious. Right. They want they they know that there's a connotation that it's connected to pedophilia, right, and to sexual predation and right. all of these things. But secondly, cult groomers exact aren't exactly looked upon in a favorable light either. Precisely. And you know, nobody's looking at Jim Jones and thinking like, what no. a hero. Except you know, Angela Davis and the other communists who supported him Precisely. in the '70s. And so, they know it has an incredibly negative pejorative connotation. And that they, they, they're not going to be able to get it off of them because it's true. And this is the thing, right? And so I've heard, and you heard, I'm sure you've heard conservatives say this for a generation. The liberals are the real racists. The liberals are the real racists. And that just washes right over them. They, don't, they do not care one blip, as, as uh, Governor Sanders would say, when you call them the real racists doesn't even bother them at all. You call a conservative a racist, especially an establishment type, they are bending over backwards, they're jumping through hoops, you own them suddenly because they're terrified of this word. But it seems now with this word groomer, you've almost found something that carries the same weight to a leftist that calling someone on the right a, a, a racist does. Yeah, well, there's, there's no coming back from groomerville. Right. And so it, it, it's literally- It's a one-way ticket. Yeah, it is, it is a yeah, one-way yeah. ticket. Um, there are lots of metaphors that would be easy to use, but we know they'd get taken out of context. So you can't say, Precisely. what was it that the, the Vax Adams said was about Trump? He said linguistic kill shots, right? So yes. you can't say kill shot, but it is. It, it, to be labeled a groomer does a lot of things. It, it, it completely freaks people out. What are you doing? It's, got, it's obviously manipulative, whether it's sexual predation or not, it's obviously manipulative. And nobody wants that for their kids. Nobody wants to be put through that. So that's really, really bad. Um, and the other thing it does is it wakes up parents. Yes. And there is a reservoir of energy that we will say springs forth from natural law. Right. In the love of a parent for their children. Right. No, you're talking about base level, biological programming, hardwired stuff. Yeah. Heavy D was talking yeah. about it at the Moms for Liberty. Yeah. And he was like, he was talking about something else. He was talking about people, you know, you tell the truth and you, you help people. Out, and they, he said they'll walk barefoot across broken glass for you. There isn't yeah. a parent alive who wouldn't take their shoes off and walk across the broken glass for their kids if they had to. 100%. Not even a question. Run into burning buildings, whatever it so, takes. So, you know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because I, I think that about my kids sometimes, right? And it's, you know, they always ask that question, you know, if you're, if you're going to be Secret Service or, you know, would you take a shot for the president, right? Would you take a shot? And it's always sort of this. Well, you know, hope you're not in that situation, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. You know, but it comes up, you know, you know, I'd like to, we found out in Uvalde, by the way, the answer was no. They're, 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 yeah, the police were not willing down there to take a shot for the kids. Um, the teachers actually, you know, actual heroism there. Yeah. Um, but, and, and, and that ties into that same thing that we're talking about. Yeah. The teachers, those teachers are willing to, when I think about my kids, I don't have to think about it. Yeah, there's no question. I, I don't, I, it's not even a question. In, it would, it seems silly to me to even consider that if my child was in danger, I would do anything. And it, it, you put what, what could potentially happen to me totally aside. It doesn't it's exist. That, it does, it doesn't exist. Yeah. 
that I'm gonna take my kid. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll take a shot, I'll walk over it, I don't care. I, I could care less. Take a shot with my kid, yeah, 100, 100 times. Right. And Many times it's over. That's like primal human stuff. Yeah. No, there, there's no escaping that. So right. they know on some level that if they wake up that energy, that they are going up against a force of nature yes. that is beyond the capacity of their rhetorical tricks and warfare to win. They cannot win. You can't play word games against a parent. You're just no. going to make them mad if you're... No, but also, and here's here's the thing, though, it, and the reason it gains traction, and we look, you can see the numbers, the epidemic, right? We, we saw a post-millennial just have the story the other day. 181 cases so far this year. Child sex crimes arrested against teachers, substitute teachers, teachers' aides, and I'm talking K-12. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not talking high school. I'm not even talking. Uh, excuse me, college. Right. I'm talking K-12. Yeah. So, this is an actual epidemic. There is something going on, and and I've said it on a couple of shows already this week. But I I think it's like a sales funnel. It's like a sales That's, funnel because yes. you are introducing sex. And when I covered the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, right. And, and I've heard this before, but it came up there and they talked about the cycle of grooming and the stages of grooming. That's right. One of the stages of grooming, once you've, once you've identified, once you've made direct contact, is that you begin introducing sexualized content and you normalize sexual content with the child, with yeah. your target. That's what you do. And so what did they ask uh, Dillinger, right? They asked him, they said, why do you rob banks? That's where the money is. Why are there so many pedophiles in the teaching profession? That's where the kids are. That's where the right? kids are. And so it's it's a sales funnel because you're you're throwing it out there and you're you're looking. You're looking to see who responds, right? Yeah. They might not even it, it it's 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 almost a subconscious thing for them, right? Because they have this urge, this insane, disgusting, twisted urge um, to to desire children in this way. Yes. And and the problem is, is that I think everyone inherently knows that the problem with taking children to, you know, to a drag show or any of this stuff is because you are sexualizing children. Exactly. And they know that they're doing it. Yes. Um, and as a matter of fact, there's a, believe it or not, an academic paper in a major curriculum journal called, called Curriculum Inquiry that's called Drag Pedagogy. They wrote an academic paper justifying drag queens story hour. And in it, they say, we sell it. They said, this is a marketing pitch as empathy for LGBT identities. As a matter of fact, the point is to get people to live queerly, to get children to live queerly. They know they're sexualizing children. And to your point, what's actually happening then, sales funnel, what you're actually doing is you're breaking down those barriers and you're making it, they they sell, they say the opposite. They say, well, this will help kids detect when groomings happen. No, no, no. no. You are actually no. making the conditions to where the children think it's normal to talk about Correct. those issues in those in, in a school or whatever, or to see somebody in a highly sexualized performance in a school where it's completely inappropriate. So there is that. I mean, as you know, you know, we got linguistic warfare. But we also have mimetic warfare. Right. We, we're, we're meme lords over here. And um, from the beginning, from the beginning of OK Groomer, I've been putting out, you know, the handshake meme or you right. have the two guys with their you yeah, know, yeah, class yeah, pants yeah, and yeah, the yeah. arm wrestling kind of position. And it's Marxists and pedophiles. Yes. Because they work hand in glove. I, I'm not saying that all Marxists are pedophiles. I'm not saying that most pedophiles are Marxists. But no, they, they, there's an agreement here. It, it, I, I actually had a, whether a podcast or a public talk, I don't remember, but I actually refer to it as the worm tongue agreement from Lord of the Rings. He's whispering to Thaden, keeping right, him on the down. Right, and what right, Saruman right, right. promised him, he gets the girl, he gets Eowyn, if, right. if he gets, keeps it all, whatever. But to me, I think I think that, that and, and this has come up before, it's, it's why, why do you see this you know, and, and we've, we've clearly identified a trend. That's why yeah. the word itself gains traction because people say, you know what? 
that always sat wrong with me. It was in the back of my mind. Yeah. I, I thought I wasn't supposed to say anything because, well, I'm a I'm a soccer mom and I'm a good tolerant. You know, I, I don't tell anyone their business, but I sensed something was wrong, right? You have this innate sense and now you found a way through all the social conditioning. It's grooming, right? It's grooming. And you're also triggering the, and you know what is the other big thing that's, that's you know, again, the same population, the soccer moms, women in, in general in America say, what is the number one, uh, you could call it fad, you call it trend uh, among women, it's true crime, right? Yeah. There is a massive true crime phenomenon going on. We're here at Turning Point SAS. They have conventions. They call it what um, Crime-a-thon or something. I forget oh what it's gosh. called. You know, they have huge well, conventions sense. with true crime. People come together, the biggest podcasters, and it is predominantly women. Yeah. It is predominantly women at these things, and they've heard again and again these cases of grooming. So you're tapping into that. The J6 committee, by the way, also uses the same function of a true crime. Oh, you know, yeah. we're unfolding the true yeah, crime and the Hutchinson, and puts so, you know, you're, you're, they're just taking the true crime. Uh, you know, methodology and applying it to Gen 6 and trying to act as if it was some, you know, you know, elaborate plot. It wasn't. Problem is with grooming, it is. It is. And and I think that what what the reason for that clasping that you see, to me, it's to destabilize society, you have to destabilize families. How do you destabilize families is through destabilizing um, normative sexual relations. This is true. I mean, the Marxists have explicitly explored this vein of, of, of strategy since the 1920s. So, you know, you have the successful revolution in Russia in 1917. Right. Lenin takes over, the Bolsheviks are doing great. Western Marxism starts to come into being because they can't figure out all, a lot of things. Why did uh, the workers cobble to their nations rather than to the workers overall right. when World War One broke out? Well, they had, Marx didn't have an answer to that. No. They had to figure it out. And so another thing was, why did Russia, which was a peasant society, go communist or socialist? But the advanced capitalist societies, Marx said, why did they had to figure it out. And so this new thought in Marxism comes up. And one of the things they experimented with, George Lukács, Hungarian Marxist, was the guy who really led to charge on this. He ended up being deputy commissar of education in Bela Kun's uh, Soviet Hungarian regime for four or five months while it lasted. And he realized that if you sexualize the children, you achieve a number of things. Explicitly, sexualize the children to achieve a number of things. One of the things you achieve is that you destabilize the child. His categorization of the world isn't as clear. He's, he's moldable. Right. You can make an activist of him. You can turn him around. If you can't figure out if he's a boy or a girl, maybe Lukács wasn't thinking in those explicit terms of the 21st century, but if you can't, if you have a kid who can't figure out if he's a boy or a girl, doesn't know for sure what gay and straight mean, can't, his sexuality changes with the wind, you can't make order of the world. You can get them to believe in whatever you want about climate change, one way or the other, whatever you want about politics, whatever you want about abortion, whatever you want about whatever issue, immigration, anything. It's super moldable. So you destabilize the children. Secondly, you want those children to go home, to say these things in front of their parents, their parents to be aghast, and then to correct the child, and then the child to say back, things are different now. Yes. We live in a different world, you're out of date. And the third thing is you want them to do exactly- right, which, which, by the way, which drives a wedge, drives a, a wedge. further wedge. And there's always, there's always a natural wedge. You know, my kids, my kids are four and one, and I'm, I'm just waiting, you know, I say, they say, you know, I don't buy, whenever they come to me now and they say, oh, dad, I wanna spend time, I wanna do this, say, uh, or, you know, say when Tanya comes yeah. over, and says, spend time. I say, spend time now because give it 10 years or so and they don't want to talk to us. Yeah. So there already exists that they natural do. way. They lock themselves in the room. And what they're doing is, oh, he already does that every once in a while. Yeah. But I have a key. Uh, yeah, right. Uh -huh. <laughs> right. And so um, he's four. He's not allowed to do that. Um, but they're exacerbating that wedge beyond 
the you know the normal you know teenage rebelliousness or exactly. whatever it is to a a rift an actual rift that's in the family unit and that's exactly what they're looking for they want to rip those kids apart and put them in a completely different cultural milieu so they're not looking up any longer to their parents they're looking up to authority figures in the institutions right. or from the state and then that's huge in tearing apart a society and installing a new generation that accepts a new society. And the third thing is the deepest roots, whether you want to frame it because it's both irrelevant, if not trying to put primacy of one or the other, but you want them to reject their prevailing religion and culture. Yes. And religion in particular, because when the parents like, listen, you know, Genesis says man and female, he made them right. or whatever. They're like, Bible was written by patriarchal, homophobic jerks. Right, exactly. The Bible is out. That's not me. You want them to reject those deeper roots and especially those other values. And so the communists for a hundred years have realized that there is a pathway to success that begins and ends with sexualizing the children and then foisting the change in a generation while those screwed up kids grow up. So I say that the millennials right now are the first intentionally broken generation. And the this, disease this are the first so I'm, I'm like, manufactured. So I'm like, I guess you could say elder millennial. Yeah, I say centennial sometimes. You are. You're geriatric millennials. You know, and it, it. Sorry about your generation, man. It's so bad. It's, and when I look at. If it out, makes you feel better, though, because you get an atlas shrugged. Yeah. Well, I keep saying that we should write the book when Gen X Gen stops X shrugs. shrugging. Yeah. No, well, we're always you're shrugging. Well, you're starting to see a little bit. So, so Charlie and I have talked about this. Charlie Kirk and I have talked about this a little bit. Because you look at, like. Your, your Glenn Greenwalds, your Joe Rogans, your Elon Musks. You know, this is Gen X because starting to kind of realize that, hey, maybe because you know what it was. And it's it's the Gen X response to millennials. That's actually what it is. is what it is. Yeah. It's saying, hey, wait a minute. I thought that these things were settled. What what are you guys doing? What Don't are you stop, doing? stop doing those things. Yeah. You know, why are you like this? And That's it's right. like, well, because the millennial generation has been broken apart and twisted and traumatized. And by the way, traumatized too. And I, and I do say that not as a millennial apologist, but just as an observer and an analyst. No, it's true. They're you the know, first intentionally broken generation. Right. right. These the traumas that have been put that have been put through. And look, is it the same thing as as Vietnam? Of course not. Right. But the the economic and political trauma that that generation has gone through. The fact that you've been told. Because we were told, right, I remember this. We were told whole, your whole life, right? You know, don't worry about 9-11. That's fine. You go off and fight if you want. But here's the thing. Go to college. Then when you get out, you just you just go into more college. Take on more debt. You'll get your job. You'll be able to pay it back. Everything will be fine. Go buy that house on credit. Go buy everything on credit. And all you need is a bigger degree. I remember. I remember graduating college during or just before the, um, the global financial crisis. Yeah. And people telling me. That what we should do, they said, they said, POSO. Don't they make a POSO back then, but they would say, here's what you do. We just go to more college. And if we just go to get more college, then we'll have more. And and because, of, again, because of social conditioning, we're taught this, that if you have a higher degree, you're, you're more marketable. That's right. And so what did they do? They took on more debt when there were no jobs because they made the debt free. On right. purpose. On purpose. That's, I'm, I'm telling you, intentionally broken generation. Yeah, Russian serfs. They created a generation of Russian serfs, whether they know or not. Well, and that's the agenda. So I hear a lot of millennials and I hear a lot of younger than millennials saying, you know, it's like, well, I kind of prefer to rent because you don't have to like be responsible. You don't have to keep up with it. You're like if you own your house, you have to keep up. Are, with that are you saying you'll own nothing and you'll be happy? Yes. In fact, I am. And that's where you even see like, uh, which guy was it? Um, I forgot which guy it is. The World Economic Forum had a, had a video that he put out. It's not Klaus Schwab. I don't think he has a great German accent. 
think this guy actually has a British accent, but he's sitting there talking all story. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. As a manufacturer, why should we want to, uh, why should we want to like give up the ownership of our product? You don't want to own the product and be responsible for it. You want the benefit of the product. So right. if I can retain the ownership rights of the product and right. then sell you the benefit of the product, isn't that better? Yes. And so you will own nothing and you'll be happy because they're only going to sell you the benefits of the product. Well, and so you can take this actually out of theory because, and I, I, I've said this for a while now, they are switching everything over to a subscription model. Everything subscription. Everything right. is subscription model. So your home is going to be a subscription. That's rent, basically. That's rent. Right? Your, all your apps, all your products. When's the last time you bought a movie? When's the last time you bought? Now, a lot of people still do physical books. I personally don't do physical books. Yeah. I just, when I was in the military, deployments, travel, just kind of got out of it, but I still do the audiobooks, right? Yeah. Um, or, or at least have like I'll have the file myself. I don't usually do it through. I, I I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll straight up, um, I'll strip the DRM and make sure I have the file on my own, yeah. right? But all that stuff, they could wipe it, right? We so nobody buys movies anymore. That's all streaming. Um, they're doing this with clothes. They are doing this with clothing. With clothing, where, I so saw it that. started with yeah. Rent the Runway. Right. And that's for girls. And, it may, and, and my wife does it. Right. Lots of women do this where they say, well, if I have an event, I only want to wear a dress once or twice. You know, I rent it. I go to the event and come back. I'm done. OK. But now they're starting to do it for everyday clothes. So and then they're even starting to do it with clothes washing. They're taking the clothes washing. And so what do you have to do then? You have to live in a city and you have to live in an automated city. Yeah. And then more and more of these things are taking care of you. They're taking away ownership. And so I don't know how good your Mandarin is, but. The the word. Do you know what the word communism is in Mandarin? No. So it's Gong Chan Zui, Gong Chan, right? This word, Gong Chan Champion. It literally translates. If you just take the direct words, Gong Chan Zui. I'll send this to you. Um, public property policy. That's Wonderful. that's the direct translation. And I say I love how blunt the Chinese it's words It's just are. so like blunt. Like we call them struggle sessions because they call them struggle. Because they're struggle. Yeah. Dojang. Yeah. They call them struggle. Precisely. Right. So it's the public property policy. Right. And that is if you break down communism to its 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 root, I mean that's essentially what it is. You do not own anything. Yeah, well, that's the idea. That's what Marx actually said in uh, economic philosophic manuscripts. He said that the true communism is when there is a full transcendence of private property and thus a full transcendence of the estrangement of the human condition from himself. That there, you will own nothing and you will be happy is straight up Karl Marx fulfilled in his vision, except for Karl, it only worked when everybody spontaneously believed it. And I hear this and it and, it, and it's and this is kind of where you get the you know, you, you have to put Marx and then Huxley and Orwell together to kind of get what the millennials are yeah. because it it is this generation where, and I hear it so often, man, I hear it so often. Oh, well, it is, it's cheaper now to buy a home than to rent, Yep. but, but, but. you have to make that first payment and none of them can make it. They're not that oh, well, yeah, so if your wealth formation is off, that means family formation is delayed. Yep. That means children are delayed. Birth rates way down, of yep. course. Um, but don't worry, they're taking care of that at the border. Um, you cannot have a functioning generation if you continue those trends. This is why they don't own anything. This is why they're serviced. But then they throw on top of you, hey, we've got the latest from Marvel, the latest streaming on Netflix. What's up next? You know the bread and circuses, and this is what Huxley understood, yeah. that if you give people this instant gratification culture that you can order from a piece of glass in your hand, 
You can order everything from your next meal to your next sexual partner. Yeah. Right. Completely atomized. You know. You know. What am I in the mood for? <laughs> you yeah, know right. exactly. That you you are completely hollowed out inside. Yeah. But they can still at least keep you on that dopamine cycle where you know you're going the ups and downs, the ups and downs, and then you're tracking all the way through that until essentially you expire. But they don't care because they'll just replace you. Yeah. Exactly. So I mean, that's that, that is what Huxley understood. And so you've got the dopamine pump in your hand. Yeah. We know that that's what they do. We know that they're built to do that to cause your brain to pump dopamine. So you have the dopamine pump in your hand, and what are the rest of them on? SSRIs, they're, you know, right. they're, they're drowning in psycho, psychoactive drugs that we've just recently learned don't do what they said that they did all along. The, the study just came out. We had, we just had, um, I just had Dr. Malone on talking yeah. about this. Where it's like, where, oh, and no. he pointed out that you know some of us have been saying this all along, that the data is not there, but lazy journalists and lazy academics never went and actually cracked this stuff open because they went with the, you know, the sexy headline. They went with what popped and they went with, of course, because now, hey, the company's making money again. We're getting advertisers. People want to fund this. There's billion, possibly trillions of dollars if you look at that industry as a whole. And we have these. And, and I wonder, because that study just dropped and we're talking, of course, by the way, about the study that just came out. It was a study of studies, an umbrella study, University yeah. of College of London. That's that essentially stated there is no direct link between low serotonin levels and depression. That's right. right. Which is the underlying science of the chemical imbalance theory that sold everyone on an entire 20 year generation on antidepressants. Right. That's what the one of the S's in SSRI. SSRI, right, right. Serotonin. Right, right. Yeah. Serotonin, selective, um, selective, selective serotonin. Uh, reuptake inhibitor. Reuptake inhibitor, right. Yeah. And so <laughs> it's, it's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. So, so everybody's drugged up. Everybody's hopped up on pharmaceutical cocktails. They're also get, hitting, getting the dopamine rushes hitting. Uh, I almost wonder if this is a trend, because you saw this, by the way, with Frank Luntz's favorite drug, uh, Oxycontin, which, of course, oh, yeah. the late great Rush Limbaugh, um, even he was someone who struggled with, right? Because yeah. this is a powerful, powerful addictive drug yep. that, you know, they rode that out. They made their money. They decimated middle America off of it, yep. sucked the money out of them, bled these people dry, left them to rot. Then suddenly we get this this sort of media almost like a mea culpa moment and they turn and, and they turn and commodify that into you know hulu miniseries is and you know maybe one show trial of they pick one family but the family you know doesn't even have to see any time the behind bars and then you go on to the next thing so i'm wondering because we're seeing this study come out we're starting to see some glimpses of this do you think that is this is this just one that kind of snuck through or are we seeing the beginning of a trend possibly on ssris you know that's a bit above my pay grade to make that that judgment uh in general which i don't know i'm just I'm, yeah, yeah that's I have the no thing clue. is in general um you have to get well basically it's you have to get these things to a critical mass correct that's what i was about to say right. is in general the glass is breaking in some yeah. sense like in general there is a, a very big turn that for the past couple years or so now two i think is the right number of years there's been a whole lot of questions being asked. Like the data don't seem to match everything people seem to be saying, especially right. maybe in the medical field. But and the outcomes don't match. Yeah, and a lot of things are not matching. And so now, well, 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 well put it this way: this new drive. Tw twenty years of SSRIs. Are we happier? Yeah. Are we more well adjusted? Are we? No. <laughs> Is the country doing better? I mean, right? No, you know? no, absolutely not. And so people are when when the virus. The pandemic first came around, and uh, there are all these things being installed. I remember talking to my further, you know, 
as they say, further right-wing friends, more based people actually, clearer-eyed people in many cases, who kept saying something to me that I barely understood at the beginning, which is, it's all going to come out. They can't hide it forever. The bodies are going to start appearing or something, you know, depending right, on what right, the thing right. was. And that's true of all of, when you, there's an old saying, reality is the thing you run into when your beliefs are false. Yes. And so if you pump out lies and you pump out lies and you pump out lies for fashionable reasons, for lazy reasons or negligence, or because of malicious intent, doesn't matter. If your beliefs are out of alignment with reality, eventually the bodies start piling up one way or another. And when that happens, people will start to notice. And then that forces people to start looking under the tarp or under behind the curtain or whatever else. And I think we are at that moment where there's a, a lot of people are like, wait a minute, do we even know the history of the 20th century? Like what just happened for the last That's 100 right. years? Were we told lies? Like what is this? One of, one of the one of the great, uh, if you talk to, again, the the further right based uh, based underground, one of the things I've, I've, I keep hearing is we need to repeal the 20th century. Just just <laughs> just repeal the whole thing. Just well, just go back. Yeah, it's just um, go back. There are a lot of uh, shady things that have happened that right. we don't have straight answers about what actually occurred. And many of those things are pharmaceutical. We're dealing with that end where we've been talking about, but you know, a lot of those things are political too. Right. And so there are, I think that as for this question about, you know, SSRI studies, I don't know, but I think that there is about to be a lot more, you know, let's go re-ask some questions that we thought, um, that we were told we don't need to ask. Look, look, and, and all look I'm saying is, when I was a little kid, Hulk Hogan told me, the great physician Hulk Hogan told me, eat your vitamins, say your prayers, and train. He said vitamins A, B, C, and D, and you will be fine. And then you look at all this stuff, and I say, we're in Florida right now, yeah. and I was, I was joking about it, I said, I said, why did Florida do so well? Well, they've got all the vitamin D you would ever need here, and because of the citrus, you've got all the vitamin C yeah. that you would ever need here. And you wonder, they've also got the most seniors, and yet they did some of the best with COVID than of any other population that has so many seniors. And I said, I really wonder, I ruined it. Now compare that with like Northern Italy, which is not exactly known for its sunshine quant- yeah, content. Yeah. And, and you, and nor, nor is it known for its citrus, right? Because the, you know, the, the temperatures aren't right. Cause you're, you're getting up into the Alps at that point. Um, and so it really makes you wonder, does any of this stuff track a little more than some of the things that we've been told to look at? I mean, I think that these are questions that we need to be looking into. And so you have your, your, your you know, your great physician, Hulk Hogan, and I That's have my right, great yes. philosopher, Randy Macho Man, Savage. Absolutely. And right. he, he said that the cream rises to the top. That's right. And we see the cream of Florida is rising to the top of the pile of how things worked out. So something have, has gone correctly. And I mean, I, I mean, I am being silly, but I'm not being silly. Well, no, but look, when you look right at it on paper, when you here. look at it on paper, we knew early on in COVID that it affects certain, for political correct reasons, we couldn't say this, that right. it affected people who were who were elderly. You could kind of say that more, but you certainly weren't able to say that it affected people who were overweight. And that was one of right. the largest comorbidities or certainly largest populations of comorbidities in, in the general correct. population, certainly in America. And we weren't allowed to say that. And that's why we had these one size fit all government policies come down. Yeah. But take that back, because Florida has your highest percentage of seniors, it would stand to reason that Florida would would be just one of these areas that we would see uh, a huge hit from COVID. Right. And they told it. What, what the the left was calling him Death Santas. Death you know, Santas. Santas. Death Santas again and again. 
And yet, and, and to be sure, right, you know, everybody took their lumps with COVID, but we never saw this massive hit in Florida that they kept predicting. Right. Well, I mean, if you listen to Ron DeSantis, he talks about it a lot. They, they actually looked at the data and they said, what actually makes sense? They actually didn't just, he just said it last week at a talk I was at. He said, um, I didn't, uh, what did he say, outsource or subcontract. He said, I didn't subcontract, I can't subcontract my leadership. Oh, that's great. To some other, uh, you know, entity like the public health or whatever. So he's like, bring me the data. Let me see the data. Let's talk it over. Explain to me what it means. Let's make a decision for leadership. And he made a lot of decisions that were flew in the face of what everybody else in the country was doing. And a lot of people in the world were doing. Uh, Sweden did as well. And what you saw is that something very different happened. Um, these things that you would say, you know, the elderly population. Which, by the way, speaking of Sweden, did you know, and I, I was reading this at one point, that the pop because Sweden, of course, again, another area that's really not known for its sunlight. Not so good with the sunlight. Um, because they know that, the country and the, the people who live there just generally take more vitamin D supplements than most other countries, right. particularly in Sweden. Which turns out to be fairly inexpensive and accessible, yes. by the way. Uh, yeah, so... I mean, Ron DeSantis realized, like, get people outside, let them be outside, let them go do things, don't mask up kids, blah, 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 blah. And the, it was a completely different outcome. And rather than calling him Death Santas and ignoring him, maybe we should start asking questions like, what, what happened that was right here? And how do we start figuring out more things that are right in more places? I actually think calling him Death Santis makes him sound cool. It is pretty cool. Uh, I think I think it's kind of cool. I the mean, you got Macho Man, Hulk Hogan, Death, Death Santis, Santis, right? You know what I mean? It just totally fits. That is that's, next that's, level that's metal. Pretty metal. It is very yeah, metal. Exactly. He's actually be speaking here in a couple of minutes. So we should. We should. I, I was joking that, um, with the uh, with the team. I said, "Can you make it say Death Santis when he comes out?" And they said, "Well, I know." And and they said, well, "Well, well, we think that you know he might take that as an insult or something." I said, "Well, just play metal. Yeah, just play metal as he comes." out and show like some and no, that's it. speaking of metal marjorie taylor green just, just right over there we say hi oh marjorie well no she's well that's because she's on after you well i'm just gonna sit here until she Let's comes over it comes over all right well let me she follows let, me on twitter I, as long I'm as i still have going to take up too much of her time making her wait but um you know what are you working on where can people follow you yeah all that well, good stuff so for for now you can follow me at conceptual james on social media the company is new discourses that's new discourses.com channel is new discourses on youtube um, I am working on, I got a workshop on the Marxification of education, how they stole education from us, turned it Marxist, coming up in a week in Virginia. Um, but I'm going to put out a book by the same title on the back of that, probably by the end of August. Amazing. So, book on education, the theft of education from the American people, how they turned it into a Marxist uh, thought reform program. So cool. All right. And to the audience, it's just, again, another apology. I'm, I'm sorry. You know, we have contractual obligations here. You know, some of us, you know, like, I mean, look, look, I sign up, Charlie asked me to do certain things, you know, and so I apologize, of course, for this uh, uh, very low performing episode of Human Events Daily. Okay, so we just ended the first portion of the interview which was, but we're now a couple weeks later. And there's been some interesting developments since the first part of the interview, which we did at, at Turning Point SAS. And so I realized that, hey, we got we to gotta add a coda or something onto this. And producer Angelo said, you know, you, know, you got to get him back on to explain this because Dr. James Lindsay went and got himself completely banned from Twitter now, not just double secret probation, straight to Siberia, straight to the Gulag. And unfortunately, the kids from Stranger Things are not coming to save him. So, Dr. James Lindsay, we've got you back for this coda. What the heck happened? 
Well, I I did the one intolerable thing. I beat a leftist at a word game. Oh no! Yeah, that's their thing, right? They you don't let you do that. Because I was doing the whole okay groomer thing, and they didn't like that, and they put me in timeout. Um, you know, double secret probation, and it wore off. And I came back, and I had to go poke the bear, and I I went to the same people and said, "Okay, child sexualization specialist," which I thought was really clever. Well, wait, and, because um, they wait, but hold on, but. I see what you're doing there because they told you that you couldn't say groomer anymore. So you said, all yeah. right, I'm not going to say groomer, but I, you have to say something. Do you have to say something? They're, they're sexualizing children. You have to say something. So I called the same person, a child sexualization specialist, and they nuked me from orbit. That was the end of that. Um, rip me. Uh, so Siberia is called truth social, apparently. And, <laughs> in the <laughs> and getter don't, don't we love, we love and getter, getter too. Getter, yeah. Yeah, actually, kind of all of the other ones. Um, everywhere else is still thriving. So, yeah, that's what happened. I, I outsmarted them with a word game, and that's intolerable. And the same person, uh, it's this Alejandro Carabello or something like this, is on this like war path and is trying to get everybody banned. They got our, our friend Gays Against Groomers banned today, apparently, perma banned. Um, they're going after lots of other people in this. Wait, space, wait, I, like, I saw that. Name. I saw that, but I didn't dig into it. That was actually a permanent ban, or was that just double secret probation? Nope, that's that's it. Gone. Permanent ban. Okay, so explain, and that, I mean, you don't have to explain it, but, right, so this was a group, so the idea is, okay, their logic, and this is what you're the expert on, is under unpacking their logic. Their logic is that these are slurs against the LGBT community, but Gays Against Groomers is part, obviously, part of the LGBT community, so... Of course, they had to be banned because, again, that beats themselves at their own game. Yeah, it's it, that's that's 100% of it is that uh, they are hiding behind everyday LGBT people as human shields and anything that kind of exposes that there's actually toward behaviors happening, uh, unacceptable behaviors happening here. Uh, it, that has to be, you know, you have to silence people who make that obvious so they can keep their human shields out in front of them, which is ever since, uh, you know, the eighties and nineties has been this broader LGBT community that wanted the civil rights movement that wanted equal rights and, and to basically to be considered normal citizens and left alone. Uh, but as opposed to this kind of rampant queer theory based activism that the other team wanted. And that other team has taken over completely and gays against groomers had to go. I had to go They're after lives of TikTok viciously other people. I think mean, you and I just made the list for the yep. human rights campaign, uh, groomer doomsday, you know, list or whatever they put out, um, along with Marjorie and Lauren. So they're on a war path to try to silence this narrative about groomers because it hit bullseye and they tried everything they could do to get it off of them, to turn it around to flip it over, to claim the word in a positive sense. Everybody grooms, so we groom correctly. They tried that. <laughs> yes, of course, college is about grooming students. That was an article somebody wrote. Um, oh yes, gosh. of course, we're grooming kids. That was an article somebody wrote. And then when that didn't work out for them, they switched to censorship, which is the last step they have before it switches to violence. And what that means is that they're admitting that that's exactly what they're doing. And that is something that they're going to try at the most last desperate effort to cover up. And Thanks for admitting it is, is all I have to say to that. No, I mean, it, it. I always say, you know, on the show that you understand what point in the movie you're in. And, you know, Charlie Kirk likes to say, do you know what time it is? And same idea that, you know, if you 
if you look at the situation that way, then the censorship, the raid on Mar-a-Lago, the, all of this stuff just fits into place. It's it's the only explanation that fits the facts rather than, oh, these people just mean well and they're just trying to protect. Other. No, it's not about that. It's And it's never been about that. It's even even on the grooming one, because I talk about one of the one of the first specials we did ever on this show was a Jeffrey Epstein special. And we were talking about Ghislaine Maxwell and we went through and just did kind of every facet of the case back when that was on. And they brought a grooming specialist into the case and she was a child psychologist and she went through all the stages of grooming and just just walks through and clearly states that introducing sexualized topics and normalizing sexual discussion, sexual behavior, and then eventually sexual contact with the child, sexual, sexual physical contact, these are all parts of the stages of grooming. And I said, well, wait a minute, you know, Je- I don't think everyone, anyone accused Jeffrey Epstein of necessarily being, uh, you know, he wasn't homosexual as far as we know, right? You know, that was just pedophilia. And again, when we're talking about grooming, this was part of a major case. Everyone in the world was talking about it. And it was, it was, you know, it was totally above board. But then when you apply that exact same rubric that they lay out in the Ghislaine Maxwell case as part of the Epstein operation to anywhere else in the country that, and I'm not talking about, by the way, the top of the funnel, they always say, well, it's, it's compliments and it's, it's gift giving and targeting and okay. Right. You know, you can give somebody a gift. You can pay someone a compliment. It doesn't mean you're grooming obviously, but it's when you start to go down that funnel that yes, it does become grooming. And we've laid out the cases specifically. Yeah. It's, it's unambiguous in this case. And while there is, of course, the pedophilic aspect, I think what that's what's happening there is, is an open door is being left that people are able to walk through because you've lost the ability to discern because kids have been uh, brought into a situation where talking about sexuality and sexual topics has been normalized around them. Um, but what's actually happening is that they're inducing them into the cult of gender ideology, or as it's more aptly called queer Marxism, where the, where the idea is, you know, well, if you feel uncomfortable with your body, maybe you're not the sex that you are. Maybe if you think you're a girl, you're actually a boy, or the way that you feel inside actually matters. This is the point. They tell you there's a paper written about drag queen story hour called Drag Pedagogy and Curriculum Inquiry. It's a major journal. Uh, in education. It's not like some fringe thing. And they actually say that the the point, they say that first of all, that they use it as a marketing scheme to say that it's about LGBT empathy, but they say that so they can get it brought into places. But they tell you the real goal is to lead kids to ask the questions, what they call generative themes in education theory about, you know, why are you dressed as a woman? And then the reply might be, does it matter if a man dresses like a man or dresses like a woman? Maybe people can dress however they want. What do you think? And you're, you're grooming these children into the queer Marxist way of viewing the world, which is by definition oppositional to anything that can be considered normal or normative. In other words, you're deliberately grooming them into a cult of destabilization using themes of sex, gender, and sexuality to do it. And there, there, if you look at that funnel, it's uh, or those steps, any well, we of the even, models of cult grooming, it, it so, matches. So we see this and... I will occasionally go because I want, so I've got a four-year-old and a one-year-old and for my four-year-old, um, I can already see, man, the, 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 the YouTube and the screens of the world, they're, they're catching his eye. They're so distracting. They're so interesting. He wants, he wants that, but I'm trying to also inculcate the, the love of reading with him. And so we'll go to bookstores, we'll go to the library regularly, but when you go to those bookstores, that table is always right there. The kids' books. And you go and look at it 
And sometimes it isn't even necessarily LGBT, but it you'll we saw this one book and, and Tanya and I were talking about it, my wife, and and it said um, it said it's okay that Daddy can't mow the lawn. And I remember reading this saying like, this is amazing. I have to, I have to look at this. What is this saying? It's okay that Daddy knows how to make cakes and Mommy mows the lawn. And I'm trying to think about that in my personal life. I, mean, I don't know any guys that make cakes, and I don't think I know any women off the top of my head that that mow the lawn, right? That's just not something that I've ever encountered. But when you look at it, it's it's they're trying to just from even even ne not necessarily a sexual perspective, but they're changing these these gender roles and they want to tell you that first of all, you know, that's a whole other special we could do on the crisis of masculinity, but the idea that you're you're changing gender roles and flipping these things around, but they're even coming from a perspective of things already are this way and you should just accept it. That only yeah. takes one generation that you only right. need one generation to, to believe that. And then, cause then the kids come home and they say, Oh no, mom and dad, you're wrong because I, in school I was told this and that's it. That's right, all you exactly. need. Yeah. And that, that's ultimately what the point of this or one of the points, there are many points as far as I can discern uh, for this grooming into this cult ideology. And one of them is in fact that, not only do you destabilize the kids, but you bring them into this mentality where they go home and they tell their parents what they're learning in school about the world, about society, about themselves, and the parents don't recognize it and they try to intervene. And the reaction from the child, especially when it's sexual, is going to be, you don't understand me. Things have changed. It's well, different now. All right. Well, I don't want to I don't want to take up too much of your time because I know you've got places to be and, and things to do, yep. but unfortunately not tweets to write. But we'll get you back no and tweets. hopefully... Uh, Hopefully we'll do and we'll pull an Alex Berenson or maybe when uh, if and what looks like Elon Musk is is going to have to be locked into this contract. So we'll see what happens there over in Delaware and uh, if we can get some um, some lines into him on this. But that being said, where can people go to follow you uh, in the interim as now that you have been permanently banned by the Twitter overlords? I mean, my YouTube channel is still active, so that's that's uh, YouTube slash new discourses. Um, but I personally am still at Conceptual James on Truth and on Getter uh, and kind of around the other Siberian uh, social media platforms. So I'm still around. Uh, pay attention to the website, newdiscourses.com. Mm -hmm. uh, all of my podcast content gets uh, put up there so that it's easy to find. And all of the kind of developments that I have going on will be advertised there until, you know, we try to figure out what to do centralizing. I'm not enchanted with social media anymore, so I'm not that worried if tw Twitter doesn't ever let me back in. Uh, I feel like I've actually been shaken free of something that I don't think I think it's almost a delusion that we all use it. So you're off the dopamine um, roller coaster is what it is. Yeah, I actually yeah. feel better. <laughs> so, you know, um, um, President Trump said that, too, actually. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally feel better, happier. Um, I don't have more free time because people are just filled in with text messages and phone calls. But, uh, <laughs> it, as it turns that. out. Yeah, but these are good problems. Yeah, staying busy. So the website, newdiscourses.com, YouTube slash newdiscourses, and uh, Conceptual James on, on, on the Siberian Truth Social and Getter and so on. All right. Uh, Alexander Solzhen, I mean, Dr. James Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us today here at Human Events Daily on this Sunday special.